This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. It's a lot of sitting. It is a lot of sitting. Yeah. Really we should do a, uh, I like a, I like a yoga ball. Let's do a standing like, version of this time. I'm going to do a yoga ball next time. Why don't we stand like, this on this picture? I'm Josh Muccio, and from Gimlet Media, this is The Pitch, where real entrepreneurs pitch to real investors. Hi, everyone. Hello. Hey. Hi, I'm Romy. Romy? Romy, yeah. Romy, I'm hey, Phil. Romy. Nice, nice to meet you, to meet Phil. You. That's Phil Nadell from Forefront Venture Partners as he introduces himself to today's startup founder. Alongside Phil are three more investors, Jillian Manis from Structure Capital, Charles Hudson with Precursor Ventures, and Daniel Galati from Comcast Ventures. Our investors are all here today to hear from Romy Rad, who's primed and ready to pitch her startup, Metabrew. Just dive in. Yeah, okay, go, go ahead. ahead. Four years ago, I started having these weird relationship, uh, weird reactions to food. My, Natalie, who's my business partner today, uh, was actually going through the same issues. So when we met in class at Parsons, um, we decided to do something about it. And we decided- the first thing they did was pretty common. Romy and Natalie started a blog where they wrote about healthy foods. They did that for a while as kind of a fun passion project. But eventually, they got their sights set on something much bigger. An idea that was inspired not by the similarities between the two of them, but by something that they had very different reactions to. Coffee. Funny story, yeah, I've never been able to drink coffee without feeling awful. Natalie, on the other hand, she had a low heart rate, so she needed to drink at least six, seven cups of coffee a day. So we knew that if we can create a product that helped the both of us, we could serve a huge market. So we asked ourselves, like, how can we hack our morning beverage? And hack away, they did. First experimenting with coffee and then eventually tea. From their research, they found that there were other people just like them who loved the energized feeling they got from a cup of coffee, but who wanted healthier, gentler ingredients and way less natural caffeine. So we worked for over a year on developing a coffee flavor that was really speaking to the people. We heard a lot of people's feedback. We took a lot of that into consideration. Eventually, they landed on a recipe that they think could become the next big thing in the beverage market. And today we're... uh, asking for $400,000 to release two new flavors, ramp up production for it, and hire some sales reps. To get the cash she needs to break into the crowded beverage market, Romy has to convince investors, first, that there's a real demand for coffee alternatives, and second, that Metabrew is the right drink to meet that demand. So first things first, the taste test. I think it's time... uh for some mid-afternoon uh, We could all use good, good timing <laughs> for that, yeah, right? Yeah. Read our minds. I brought the two flavors we have for each, so you guys can decide oh, wow. what That's you feel like. Woman. So I have a coffee and a tea for each oh, one, nice. one of you. Oh. This is for you. 
Just wow. make sure to give it a, a nice shake and then. Okay. okay. And this is for you. Bouncing off the ceiling. Romy hands out the slender rectangular bottles. Phil only eats raw vegan foods, so he opts out of the taste test. But the other three investors give the bottles a quick shake and twist off the orange caps. It's hard to tell how the investors like Metabrew, though no one spits out the drink, so that's a good start. And in fact, Charles and Jillian both keep drinking past the first sip. So can you tell us the the composition of this? I'm seeing coffee, cashew butter. Yep. Um, so it's the nut. Okay. Why so, you say monk fruit it contains cashew and coconut? Yeah. So the the concept of Metabrew, if you want, is based on um, moderate caffeine with some healthy fats and superfoods to give you a better, longer lasting energy. Romy lists off what's in Metabrew. There's cashew butter and MCT oil from coconuts for healthy fats, caffeine for a kick, a whole list of trendy superfoods, and of course, no chemicals or preservatives. So you're getting at the end of the day, you know, your caffeine fix with some magnesium, with some superfoods, with with some antioxidants. So really nice and nourishing. Um, it tastes super light and it's very also gentle on your body and on your mind. Is this a... Um in terms of category of beverage, yeah. is it coffee? Uh, yeah, is it like an energy drink? Is it a? Um, it's not nutrition. It's not a. Drink. It's not a meal. It's not I'm a meal replacement. Coffee. What? It's it's actually a functional beverage. So um, the functional beverage is, if you want, defined as a drink that offers benefits beyond the basic nutrition. Um, so you usually add to these drinks non-traditional ingredients. You see now beverages on the market that have herbs, adaptogens, protein powders, oils. These are all part of the functional beverage world. So that actually begets the question. I, I'm, a, I'm a kombucha uh, addict. Um, I drink a lot of that, and that's that's it. That's and tea. So that's my you know kombucha that's my is, frame of is in the functional space, right? It has to be because yeah. But then I also know from that that there are now, there was four kombuchas. Now there's probably like 24 kombuchas or even more. And so I'm just, it's such a crowded space. I'm trying to figure out what your clear sort of brand is that is going to be your differentiator without so much explanation. So Rebel, uh, Suniva, uh, bulletproof coffee, they're ready to drink one. I think compared to all of them, um, we're not just promising clean ingredients and a great effect, but we're also hitting the consumer's taste buds. So we are able to capture a slightly bigger market and we're really the first plant-based, low caffeine, truly healthy and clean energy drink on the market high right fat. now. Pretty high fat, 10 grams of fat. These are, the, these are the healthy fats from the cashews and the coconut. And functional beverage beverage as a market is huge. It's a global market. It's expecting to grow to 280 billion in the next five years. Um, and even in the U.S. alone, it's expected to grow from 23 to 37 billion. So people it's are... It's 23 billion now yeah, in the U.S.? Yeah, and it's expected to grow to 37 in 2019. What do you sell this for? $4.99. And what's your cost right now on it? It's $1.84. I know our margin right now is very, um, very small. It's eleven percent. Um, but when you sell to the distributor, eleven percent. With the distributor, the margin is eleven percent. Yeah, 
Uh, but you're subscale, and yeah. I think it's, that I mean, only improves over time. Yeah. When Daniel says subscale, he means Metabrew hasn't yet fully ramped up its production to where Romy hopes they'll be, where their beverage can be found in major grocery stores all over the country. If they can get to that point where they've hit scale, they'll be able to bring down production costs and sell at a greater profit. For right now, Metabrew can only be found in a handful of stores around New York City. But Romy has a plan to change all that. So we know that to be able to scale a beverage company, you want to go up the ladder. You want to start with small distributors. You want to do your own distribution, then go to the bigger ones. And I feel like we've been just um, lucky to have big brands reach out to us. And uh, that is going to, I think, help us grow and scale this this year Which as we're big planning brands? to. So we have Whole Foods, we have Sprouts, we have HEB from Texas. They're all um, in conversation with us. And this is why we actually need 400K to be able to work with a distributor. So Romy is taking a page right out of the tried and true book of how to get your product into grocery stores, slowly working up the ladder until eventually you land in the big chain stores. It's a distribution method as old as Coca-Cola. It seems to me that you've got this quite innovative product or quite a fresh product, but you're kind of playing the same distribution game that like 99% of the other beverage companies play, right? And I think like Soylent, they went direct to consumer and there was real distribution advantage there. I, I think having a point of, a differentiated point of view on how to get the product to the consumer, mm. like is the thing that matters here. Because I think you you do actually do have a, a pretty innovative product. I just worry that you kind of get lost in the noise and really don't penetrate the market um, in, the, in, in, in a way that you could if you had some sort of differentiated way to go to market. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think the only thing um, that the challenges, if you want, that we're working with right now. So Soylent, you gave the example of Soylent. Soylent is a product that does not require refrigeration. With our product, we have a very fresh product. Our shelf life is three months. And when it comes to refrigerated beverages, the distribution option, options are limiting, uh, unfortunately. Do you do anything to sort of help customers discover the product short of buying it? Like, are there mm-hmm. are there ways for me, if I don't know Metabrew, to discover it in the wild? Like, how does how does the whole sort of customer education brand development I'm sorry, Charles, work? did you say to discover it in the wild? Yeah. <laughs> are you going to like <laughs> Outside sorry. of the context of being at a grocery store, you know, oh, like okay. out in the wild. Oh, like, that wild? Yeah. Like, oh, just right. Like, outside the grocery store wild. Yeah. Outside the, like, there are products I've discovered, like, in the wild where I'm out and someone says, hey, do you want to try this thing? Or I'm yeah. at an event where someone says, You're hey, right. do you want to try yes. this thing? Yes. Yes. We actually do a lot of like um, in-person uh, marketing activities, if you want, or outreach. So we've done over 180 demos in stores. Okay. So we're, we're definitely um, very keen on educating the customer, talking to them, having them try it in front of us and telling them like, what are the benefits behind Metabrew? So we do uh, four to five demos every week in the stores we're currently at. I'm trying to see how you can, you can differentiate yourself. I'm trying to figure out how you can enter this market with such a distinct voice and brand. In other words, even if Metabrew gets on the shelves of these big chains, how are they going to attract customers? 
Romy and Natalie can't be in every grocery store aisle convincing people to try Metabrew. It's going to have to stand out on its own. So buyers know that these products are uh, uh, like special products. You know, these are not sodas, they're not Coca-Cola, they're not Pepsi. Once you see this brand, you familiarize yourself. You might not want to get it today, but you might want to get it next week and try it. Yeah. People want to see you everywhere. They see you at Whole Foods. They're like, okay, this is a good brand. Like we, yeah. we, we, uh, we're, we're comfortable trying it. I just would have expected you would, at this point in the company's life would be spending much more time on the over-the-top brand narrative to the consumer yes. mm. to get people to understand the product and to go into Whole Foods looking for it. Yes. I mean, it sounds like you've spent a lot of time and energy figuring out distribution, which I think yeah. is great because you have to have the product available. But I wonder if it's coming at the expense of the, like, what's the over-the-top narrative to the consumer? I think I could walk through Whole Foods and, and see this and just keep yep. walking because I wouldn't know why to stop. We actually work on building, if you want, a meta lifestyle around our brand. We have a blog, we have a newsletter, we have social media channels. Uh, we try to share, if you want, more facts. Um, our blog posts are about, you know, either the ingredients we use, superfoods, like how you can hack uh, your lifestyle to become, you know, your own hero. This is what we talk about. If you want, we want to try to educate people that, that healthy is delicious. Uh, we want to try to empower them to make healthy choices on a holistic lifestyle change. And all of this we do on a regular basis. Rather than focusing on their brand narrative, Romy is trying to think bigger than that by selling a lifestyle narrative, one that focuses on healthy living. The idea being, if they can convince people to live a more holistic lifestyle, that will naturally drive demand for Metabrew. The question is, is it working? Are consumers buying Metabrew? And more importantly, are they loving it? What can you tell us about, um, um, I really want to uh, dig into like what are the proof points you have around the fact that consumers like really like this beverage so like sell through is one proof point right if you could come in here and say the 30 stores that we have this is the highest percent sell through item on their shelf like that's a real proof point I don't know I guess another proof point is like we've done we've surveyed a thousand consumers and they like they all love the taste profile and it's like the best beverage I've ever had like what can you tell us that this is like a true this hits the mark for the consumer. I mean, the past year we've we've uh, been able to create not just two successfully, you know, highly unique products. We established manufacturing partnerships. We were able to outgrow our own production, so we used to do these by hand. Yeah. Now we're selling over eight thousand units. Uh, up to date. So we know that people are grabbing this not just one by one, but we know that there are two, three customers that are hooked on it and they would buy like five, six but, bottles. But no, address Daniel's question more directly, okay? okay? What can you point to? Is the sell-through rate higher than any of your competitors? Is the taste off the chart because you, 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 you know, surveyed that, a thousand people? What yeah. proof points are there that, that this is a truly you know, better product that, that consumers are really love it. I think definitely from conversations with customers. So over the 180 demos we've done, um, we've at least interviewed thousands of people. And from the data we've gathered from all these demos, uh, people really like the taste all the time. They ask, They also value the fact that it has low caffeine. So every What's demo the data? we do... Have you done surveys or is this anecdotal? 
So every demo we do, we try to um, collect, you know, how many bottles we sell, um, how many people like walk in that demo, how many samples we give, what is the feedback from every demo. Romy has made her case for why she believes Metabrew stands out from its competitors. But has she convinced investors? Here's Jillian. This tastes fantastic as far as I'm concerned. It's it's, it's fabulous. So I think you have like the fabulous taste. You have all the nutrient... um, nutrients in it. I think I love the less caffeine and the better energy that not as not as difficult on your stomach and all the bells and whistles. I cannot give you money because I am not the right person or and I'm seeing a lot of major, major challenges. And when I see a lot of problems and I don't have any of the solutions is when I'm not a good investor. Mm. All I know is that this tastes really good. Thank you. And I would love to see it on the shelves. And I would buy it in fistfuls, but I would walk right past it if I hadn't met you because it is not jumping out. So I'm not quite sure where that goes. I, d- I think that there is a chance to grow, like you're saying, in this very authentic way. Um, I just worry about the, the, uh, how long that's going to take and how much capital that's going to take. But, Fair enough. Okay. I'm super grateful for okay. this. Jillian's out. This is Daniel. I think that, look, I think you can build billion dollar businesses as category definers in bev- in kind of the beverage category. Yeah. So um, I think there are enough examples out there that we've all discussed that, you know, you could be a billion dollar company in five to 10 years, right? Um, and you know, I think at, at a high level that opportunity exists and I, I hope you I hope you get there. I think for me, I didn't hear anything coming out of the pitch that said, hey, there is voracious demand here from consumers, a small group of consumers. I walked away feeling like, yeah, consumers like, like it, but they don't, it's not obvious to me that they absolutely love it. And, and maybe that's because I'm not hearing it right or, 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 or whatever, um, that's where I'm at is I didn't, I think the the art of this bet is like, do you believe in the, in the brand? And I just didn't quite get there on that. Daniel's passing. Here's Phil. I'm out. I'm a pass on this one. Okay. It either needs like some kind of unique brand identity that if it's, if you're using traditional distribution like retail and I'm walking to Charles' point, I'm walking down the aisle, right? It's going to grab me. I'm going to be like, wow, I got to try that. Something about the form factor or the identity, the packaging, whatever. Or you're going through a, a unique kind of distribution channel so you don't maybe need such a unique form factor or, or brand identity, but you're in a different channel that is unique and you're going at it that way. Because without either of those two things, to me, it's just a slog fest, right? You're slogging it out with every other brand and looking for shelf space and fighting with wholesalers on margin and all of that. And it just becomes a grind. Mm-hmm. And that's not the kind of business I'm interested in investing in personally. If I saw some differentiation in one of those areas I mentioned, to me, it becomes much more exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it, based on where you are now, I think it's a cool I just don't think it's differentiated enough. I don't see anything 
unique enough about the distribution, so I'm out. With three investors out, Charles is up. It's not quite right for me because I don't really do consumer direct products. I also say there's another, now that I had this and I've had it for a couple minutes, it's a, there's a product actually I didn't appreciate. It's very, it's filling. Yes. You know, it's like satisfying, satisfying in a way, yeah. satisfying yeah, yeah, yeah. in a way that a cup of coffee isn't. Yeah. Right. It, I, it coats your stomach. It's, it's satisfying and filling. And It's a treat. And the reason I've been pushing you so hard in the brand is I think this is the kind of product that if people experience it, mm. yes. they'll seek it out. They'll say, this is different than anything else in my beverage lineup, but you've got to sort of get the hook in the mouth that gets them to, to try it in the first place. You have the sales force to just like yep. keep giving samples. And- whoever's <laughs> listening to the pitch... <laughs> well, go try to find MetaBrew, yeah. right? Because it's it's fantastic. Thank you so much. This Why was you amazing. <laughs> okay. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Oh, well, Thank you for being here. Of course. Yes. Thank you. Romy leaves the room, but not without first leaving a little something behind, something that appears to have made a lasting impression. Do you know she was only the second? Um, founder that handed us a card. I like that. And I also like the fact that um, I always, and I think we've talked about this before, is that a no doesn't mean a never, right. right? And I like the fact that she leaned into that and it wasn't us saying, well, let's follow up with you, yeah. right? And I find that that is a, I like, I, I like her tenacity. Yeah. Yeah. So, um and I like, I love this. I enjoyed the beverage. I did enjoy the beverage. <laughs> so this is just, I just. Um, Fragmented category, tough yeah, distribution. Tough. Like there's tough. a lot. There's, there's a lot of reasons why it won't work, no. but. Um, it's not. Yeah, it's, she even said that it takes a long time to build a brand like this. Yes. And a long time equals a lot of money. Yes. And I'm not up for that kind well, that's of stuff. It's very capital intense. Um, and she, de- I, I don't know, uh, I would like to have someone on the team who has ha- gone through this, built a beverage or has, but she, perhaps she'll find an, a, an advisor. She needs that. Romy's search for investors or advisors, somebody, anybody with a checkbook and a love for MCT oil and cashew butter continues after the break. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. We talk to a lot of entrepreneurs on the show and one thread that connects them all, they're not just pitching their business, they're pitching themselves. Because small business owners know that their business is more than just a company, it's their whole life. And State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, and they know what it takes. They can help you choose personalized policies that fit your budget. That's the personal touch. That's small business insurance from State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. Small business owners know that it's not just business, it's personal. Your business is your life, and State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, so they know what it takes. They can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. And they live and work in your community. So you're not just getting an insurance plan, you're getting that personal touch. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. 
Welcome back. It's been two months since Romy's pitch to investors, so I called her up, hoping to hear good news and maybe even about some new money in the bank. You were raising $400,000 when you came on the show. Have you been able to close that round since no. the pitch? So what what happened is we kind of um, changed a little bit our strategy and we got accepted into this accelerator program called Food Future Co. Oh, and uh, cool. it's, it's yeah, it's an accelerator. It's like the biggest uh, accelerator program for uh, food ventures, kind of focusing on their growth. Right now, it's going to be like a six month program where we kind of get connected to some mentors, investors, advisors, uh, and try to like really uh, plan a, a good growth strategy for MetaBrew. Got it. Okay, so the plan is to focus, do some networking. Is there some sort of funding involved in this incubator to kind of float you for the next six months before so you raise they, again? No, so they don't actually give us funding. Uh, and so right now we actually partnered up with two local distributors. They're um, not the biggest, but they're a really good start. We were able to uh, increase the list um of our stores, so now we're in about seventy stores. We were 70. able to triple, yeah, we we're wow. able to triple that number in a month and a half, which was really nice. Yeah, that's really awesome. So one of the things the investors really focused on in your pitch was your brand identity and whether you were able to convert people into basically die-hard MetaBrew fans. So their question to you was: Give us some early data that there's some small subset of people that are just voracious fans of MetaBrew and they're they're ordering it all the time and and it seemed like you were able to kind of give some of that anecdotal evidence of like here's a story here people really like it but there wasn't that real like specific you know we did a survey and here's what we found or people that try our drink you know 10% of them turn into rabid you know fans of our of our product yeah. like I I think I was um, definitely, I felt a little bit um, hesitant because I wasn't sure what he wanted to hear. And I felt like anything that I was saying, I, I remember it was Daniel who kept repeating like, but what is it exactly? Like, give yeah. me a number, give me. And I think what the lesson I learned is I felt very insecure about the numbers we had. Like it wasn't big numbers. And maybe if I just told him, like we have, I don't know, uh, 10 people who are addicted to it, who text me on a weekly basis uh, that they want a 12-pack of Metabrew. I think that should have been just enough. Sure. Uh, but I think I was maybe intimidated by the numbers we had because we're still quite small. And I didn't have that data that it, it felt like, oh, maybe the stories are going to sound better. So it's again yeah. like learning how to actually answer an investor. Like when he asks you for something, you give the answer and then you explain versus you explain and then you lose the sure. answer. It was interesting because fairly early on, you had to explain the competitive landscape and where you fit in as a functional beverage, which was new information for me. Um, but then you started naming off your competitors and there's some pretty big names in there. Like, what is it like for you as a founder of a small upstart to be pitted against these massive competitors? Um, 
Honestly, um, I was never intimidated by the big players. Bigger does not mean better, but I think we have a very like loyal customer base that really value how we do things. The fact that we're small, based in Brooklyn, the fact that um, we we have great customer service, even if we're still a tiny team. Um, I think that's how big brands, you know, learn to to grow. So I'm sure that in the next few years we are able to get um, really big. But for now, the big players for us are not eating us alive. They're more like, you know, opening the shelf for us. Wow. You don't seem phased at all by it. But I mean, it's a really crowded space, super hard to like, to, to, to make a dent in. And like, that doesn't, there isn't even some part of you that's like, how in the world, like you wake up and you're like, how in the world are we going to make a company out of this? I don't know. I think I the the whole giving up was never an option. You know, like there's no option of like, okay, this is not going to work. And what are we doing? We have always like days where we wake up and we're like, okay, this whole thing is like not working the way we're doing it right now. We <laughs> yeah. have to change something. Like, yeah. but I I also I also feel like we're very humble in the way we do things and. The fact that this company is just two years old, this, the company is two years old. We've been in the market just for the past year. Like this is how a one-year-old company in the market is performing and we're trying our best to make it grow as fast as we can. But uh, at the same time, like I cannot compare myself to a company that's been doing it for the past six years. That's just like gonna kill our motivation and <laughs> it's just gonna be like super yeah. stressful for no reason. Romy said that she's still in talks with a pretty big-name distributor, a brand you probably know well, but unfortunately, she can't talk about it just yet. But by March, Romy said she'll have her answer. She also mentioned that after her pitch, she went back to her customers and started asking, why do you drink Metabrew? It's an organic approach to figuring out what it is that will make customers and investors buy into Metabrew. So we wish her the best, and who knows, maybe in the next five years, Metabrew will be a household name. We want to hear what you think. What makes you stop and notice a product in the grocery store? How should a new brand like Metabrew stand out among the competition? Join the conversation over at thepitch.show slash discuss. We'll be back with a brand new episode next week. And one last thing, if you're a startup founder or you know someone who is, they can apply at thepitch.show slash apply. Our next recording event is in February in San Francisco. We're looking for companies in the seed stage with early traction. We aren't looking for companies in any specific vertical. Our focus is on finding startup founders who have a story to tell. Our show is produced by me, Josh Muccio, Molly Donahue, and Kareem Maddox. We are edited by Devin Taylor. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder, with original music composed by The Musemaker and Bobby Lord. We were mixed by Enoch Kim, with help from Matt Bowl. Lisa Muccio plans our recording events, and thanks to Matt Lieber for introducing us to Metabrew. As a reminder, no offer to invest is being made to or solicited from the listening audience on today's show. And one more thing before we go. Our friends at the Heavyweight Podcast are looking for stories for their third season. On the show, host Jonathan Goldstein tells the story of a moment in people's lives when something went wrong. 
and then goes on a quest to help them make things right. So if you have a moment from your own past you wish you could change, an interaction you can't stop obsessing over, a confrontation you've been avoiding, a question you don't know how to ask, send an email to heavyweight at gimletmedia.com. All right, you've been listening to The Pitch from Gimlet Media. See you next week. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. It's popular in the wild. Right. <laughs> okay, that's gotta why get, I messed it up. We've got to get you in the wild more often. <laughs> you know, tell my wild side. <laughs> You've been stuck in grocery stores too long. Yeah. You've got to get out. That's right.